I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, let me take a minute here to tell you about our latest sponsors, Just Meet It. Head over to justmeetit.ca to get yourself some high quality meats delivered to your door directly from the farmers themselves. And when I say high quality meats, I mean it. No antibiotics, no growth hormones, no chemicals, not even any performance enhancing drugs. None of these animals have ever won races that they shouldn't have won. All right. And these animals, we're talking ostrich, we're talking bison, elk, animals that you can't catch by yourself. They even have Wagyu beef. So do yourself a favor, head over to justmeetit.ca, order yourself a box. You'll be supporting the local economy, local farmers, local business, and us. Justmeetit.ca. I take you for a ride on the devil's ship. I take you for a ride where you sink or swim. Now come with me and let this story begin. Theo Fry, Montreal litigator turned YouTuber. Uh, at one point, I may have to change it to litigator turned rumbler if I ever get booted from YouTube, but uh, thus far. Are they mad at you? YouTube's not mad at me, but they definitely. I think I'm on a radar of sorts. Um, but much less on the radar than other people who push an envelope or push uh, the political limits much more than I do. You know what I like about you? Everything I want... So anybody, if they don't agree with you, they can obviously say, uh, okay, he leans towards... But everything I see about you is you're just, all right, let's look at the facts, which is what we should be doing. And then people get mad at you when your facts go against what their feeling was. Well, there's people... The funny thing is people accuse me of being a milquetoast fence-sitter. People on the left accuse me of being conservative. People on the right accuse me of being uh, a closet liberal. And at this point now, I don't care. I I know internally I have views, political views that can neither be left or right. There's certainly some on both sides. Exactly. But when it comes to certain issues, I mean, uh, politics might not come into play, although people perceive it as politics, but preconceived notions come into play. Like, you know, some of the issues that I cover were uh, the Ahmad Arbery shooting in the States where people are like, yeah, we have the right to carry guns. We have the right to make citizens arrest. And I say, well, I find something fundamentally wrong about all of that citizens, you know, innocent people or even criminals shouldn't get shot dead on the streets. Even if you have a justification when making a citizen's arrest, that's not how things should work. Yeah. Then it's anarchy. Well, no. And then people accuse me of being a liberal anti-gun Canadian where on the other side, uh, you know, I, I took the gun firearm safety course in Canada uh, and I think that we probably have way too many restrictions here. Uh, and then I get called, you know, a right wing gun, not by the people on the left. So at some point, I have now come to the firm acceptance that I will always piss people off and yeah. n- never please everybody. And it's somewhat liberating. But you do things the best way, I find, because, yeah, you're not going to make everyone happy, obviously, because people can't people can't take it when you have an opposing view or, again, what you do perfectly, just analyze something and bring facts. People get upset. They're like, because I, in my heart of hearts, I believed this scenario. And you're like, well, actually, looking at the documents, this and this happened. They're like, fuck you for bringing me the, well, no, <laughs> the and truth. Then, and then they say it gets even better because you can always, I'm a lawyer. You give me a document, I will 
give you an argument for both sides. So yeah. you have people even looking at the same facts and saying, well, you're ignoring this and you're, you're ignoring this detail or this is how I read this and you're biased for reading it another way. And at some point, okay, fine. We, we will assess things and we'll come to our own opinions, but so long as we can agree on the facts and even disagree on the facts. And if people don't like my opinion, well, then they don't watch or they criticize. And if my opinion is proven to be idiotic time and time again, then I don't amass a following or I lose a following. Exactly. But, but you're amassing one, one, so you must be doing something right. It's, it's, I think I've been pretty consistent. I've been pretty open and honest. And when I make mistakes, uh, I, I enjoy correcting them because, first of all, you can always make a joke out of making a mistake, but also people like it when people correct themselves or admit mistakes because it means that they're honest and they're human. Yeah. Uh, the worst thing is politicians who just don't. And that's why people hate politicians or people who, when they make a mistake, double down and try to justify their mistake or blame others for their mistake. So that's how you lose credibility. It's how you lose integrity. Uh, and I have no problem making mistakes and I have no problem owning up to them when I do. Well, I fucking love that. Right now, is there anything we can do? You know what confused me about the government here? So we have a curfew, which oh, yeah. today might get, I don't know, extended, made earlier. Who the hell knows? There's going to be a press conference. Is there, here's what shocks, I understand you're, you're in government. You're not a scientist. You're going to listen to whatever they tell you. You're going to try your best to help the population. And sometimes you interpret things your way. So let's just say leap of logic. They think that a time limit on when you could go out is somehow going to fight uh, COVID. I can't see that. To me, it's illogical to tell adults you can jog at 4 p.m., but you can't jog at 7. I think that's insane. Is there any recourse, though, for us as citizens being like, guys, this is... There's no way this can be legal. So um, there's recourse if the courts are willing to, uh, uh, don't want to use any inflammatory analogies, if, if the courts are willing to be brave enough to enforce the law. Uh, and it's a complicated thing. First of all, I, I, this is my opinion. It is undoubtedly, uh, without, without qualification, unconstitutional. Okay. Uh, the only, this is my opinion. Now, the only question is, can the violations be justified in a free and democratic society? So we have rights and the courts, not the courts rather, but the laws can infringe on those rights to the extent that it's justified in a free and democratic society. So now the question is, uh, you know, imposing a curfew to, is, is, it's a violation of civil rights, period. Yeah. Now the only question is, is it a justifiable violation under the circumstances? When you have our health experts, and, and you know, you mentioned that they're, health experts, the politicians are listening to them. People have to appreciate they are political appointees, nonetheless. So they are health experts, but they are politically appointed. And that's not to say that they owe allegiance to their appointing politicians. It's just to suggest that there might be, if not an allegiance, there might be an ideological agreement beforehand. You're not going to appoint someone who you think is going to go against what you want to uh, enact as policy. Good point. So they're, they're government uh, political appointments, which makes them... Risky. The, the other issue is you're either politically appointed or you're elected, in which case you have still the, these, these concerns for, call it bias or corruption or influence. You're either, you either want to uh, cater to the interests of those who elected you or you want to cater to the interests of those who appointed you. So you have problems one way or the other. But they are political appointees who are medical experts. And so you have the politicians blindly, and I'm saying blindly now, not weighing my words, because they are blindly listening to their political appointees to the point where you have, uh, what's his name? Uh, Ford. Okay. I get mixed up between the, 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 the deceased brother and, and the, the current. I just say Ford because I, I forget Ford. the first name. I, and I forget. It's Doug and, and um, Rob. And I, I, it's, I don't mean to be disrespectful. I think so. Rob died. I think Rob died too. And I think it's Doug Ford who's, in, who's currently, Ford. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, Ford Nation is how I know him because I tweet at him regularly. Caught on a hot mic or caught being honest when he didn't know he's being recorded saying, you know, it's political suicide to not listen to the medical experts whom you've appointed because, you know, you're going to say you appointed them. They give you advice. How dare you, stupid politician, not listen to the experts, the ones that you appointed. And so you have this like vicious circle of it's a vicious ideological silo where the, the political appointments give advice to the politicians who appointed them and so the politicians have to without thought and without reflection defer to the experts and i would use scare quotes you got cameras there defer to the experts and it creates a problem because you defer to the experts that are basically the ones you appointed who are effectively telling you uh giving you advice that supports the policy that that you want to impose and then you don't listen to the ones who don't and you know so it it is a it's a it's a political ideological silo uh, and the biggest danger is the second you get into the realm where you can't question the experts, well, that's great. You've, you've substituted the, the all-powerful military authority for the all-powerful white coat authority that you just have to blindly defer to regardless of what they say and regardless of whether or not they contradict themselves in a year's time or six months' time, which they have consistently in this situation. Start off with... I, um, I don't know what you're talking about. Look, I, all I know is that we have two weeks to flatten this thing and we better get to two, it. Two weeks to flatten the curve. March 2020. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, people in hindsight are going to say they knew darn well from day one it was never going to be two weeks, but the population back then before they had their souls crushed and they uh, accepted their freedoms being crushed would never have agreed to a year lockdown. That's so true. whether or not it was misleading from the beginning, we'll never know. People can, in retrospect, uh, hypothesize on what they think if they really thought it was going to be a two-week lockdown to flatten the curve. But the systematic egregious in your face chiseling away of everything that made western society free and and uh you know a source of envy for the for the free world and for the aspiring free world has been taken away and the the idea and i tweeted this out a while back the idea that lockdowns have now become a form a legitimate form of government is basically it's inconceivable that to lock down not not the sick not the vulnerable at risk the entire population, including the healthy, including those who are supposed to work to pay taxes to support the infrastructure, to lock down the healthy. You you don't need to be a scientist to know that that's unscientific and that lockdowns and basically shredding our constitution has become a legitimate form of government. And if you uh, object to it, you're the heretic. You're the heretic? What's the word? Yeah, the heretic. The heretic. I mean, we have brought over Russian-style, I don't want to say communism for lack of a better word, but we brought in over uh, fascist tyranny as a method of government. Uh, and, and, and a lot of people have welcomed it and ushered it in because they have been conditioned to think that uh, you know, the alternative is catastrophic death for everyone. Where now, incidentally, a year into the pandemic, we have stats that show that this is not what it was sold to us as being a year ago when we were told literally by medical experts to wash our fruits and leave them in the garage for two days. I remember that. And when we were told by Fauci not to wear masks, whether or not we were being misled then, we were told something that they are not, that they're telling us the exact opposite now. Uh, I forget her name, Patty Hajdu. Um, No, it's not Patty Hajdu, sorry. It's someone out of British Columbia. I think it's their medical uh, officer. You know, at the beginning saying masks are not good, masks are not useful, and now saying they are mandatory and I've never said anything different. (laughs) <laughs> but the internet doesn't forget. And when you have, you know, the likes of, of rebel media and some of the 
the media that keeps politicians honest, when they put montages together and you have the internet and the aggregate knowledge, internet never forgets and we see it. And people meme are culture. starting to see it. Meme culture. People go, and meme culture, it is just the democratizing of information. And people are seeing it. And now a year into it, I, and I can say this from personal experience for whatever it's worth, the people who I know who are even the most radical on the pro-lockdown side, pro-curfew, pro-everything, they're starting to turn privately. And it's because, you know, free access to information uh, is the sunlight that disinfects everything. Now, okay, so we're locking everything down and they're talking about the, the vaccines. So a question I want to ask you is these vaccine passports that are being discussed. And being Greek, I, in Greece, I'm telling you, the prime minister there was pushing so that everyone gets a vaccine passport and we're only going to allow uh, tourists from countries that agree to have a vaccine passport with us and all that. How constitutional would it be here for them to institute that so that you can freely travel? I mean, this is the one, it's, a, it's another, it's a, a violation of constitutional rights. The only question is, is it a justified, is it necessary for whatever the reason? Is it a justified limitation of constitutional freedoms? That's the test. Um, what do I think of it? You know, I, I, it's the I, it's offensive the idea that we would have to show papers uh, to use the analogy, and and I yeah. mean literally. My wife uh, is an essential worker because she's do doing research. Had to leave after curfew one night and nearly forgot her paper. And and I think this is this is not Canada anymore. The idea of a vaccine passport. I mean, people are going to say, yeah, you need you need uh, proof of vaccination if you take your kids to daycare. You know, and, and some people's response is, yeah, proof of vaccination for what are vaccines that have been around for decades that have proven safety and proven efficiency. And we've, by, you know, we've bypassed all of that, and the idea to even question it now makes you an anti-vaxxer. And I had this argument with somebody. I said, look, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. There's no but to that. I got a tetanus shot when I cut my finger metal. Detector. Yeah, me neither. I, I, get, I get the vaccines that I think are necessary for me. I make informed consents and some I don't because I just, you know, the risk is not there. The idea that I would say, I, I'm, I would like to know more about a vaccine that has not been uh, FDA approved, that is virtually brand new. And now, in reality... The, the flip argument is that these are variations of vaccines that have been around for decades, and it's basically you know a, a safe variation of what's already been available for decades, so you don't need to worry about it. But then you have articles coming out of the CBC, and I'm not playing doctor, and I'm not playing expert. You have articles coming out of the CBC saying they're suspending the AstraZeneca vaccine, I think, yeah. in people under 55 because they've noticed blood clots. But I'm not allowed asking these questions. That makes me an anti-vaxxer. And then I find yeah. out you know from mainstream media that there are issues that are causing them to suspend this vaccination, this vaccine in particular. Or when I say, you know, the same questions with masks, is it, could it possibly be problematic to wear a mask all day long? And everyone's, you know, shut up and mask up. It's, it's literally what they say. I've had people say, shut up and wear the mask. I say, okay, well, that's fine. That's not an argument. That's just actual, um, that's actual tyranny and, and abuse. Yeah. <laughs> but I say, okay, but I, but I still have questions. And you're deemed to be uh, anti-whatever for asking the questions. And then Last week, article in CBC, potentially toxic face masks that are all recalled that have been given to daycare teachers children. and children. And hey, you know, but, but you don't ask questions, listen to the government, and then you know, a year later you'll find out, yeah, you've been, you might have been sucking down uh, carbon fibers for the last eight months because teachers were complaining that it felt like they were inhaling cat hairs with these masks that were required by law. And I said from the beginning, I'm not anti-masker. I just don't think the government should mandate or require it by law. I'm not anti-vax. 
I just don't think the government should require it by law for, for these reasons in particular. And also you would get the same level of participation, maybe even more, if the government did impose it. Yeah. The second the government starts imposing it, people start pushing back more than they would if you just relied on the free access to information and people's general willingness to collaborate and cooperate. You'd get the same, I'm, I'm convinced, you'd get the same participation with masks wearing if you just asked and those who wouldn't would, would probably, you know, th they might do it just to be polite or they might refuse, in which case you're still dealing with, what, 5% people who would do it to make a point. I'm free, I don't want to wear a mask, yeah, good yeah. for you. Okay, you can stay away from that person. We're, we're, you know, it's when Ted Cruz was giving his talk and the reporter said, could you put your mask on? He's like, first of all, I'm talking to the cameras. I'm not going to wear a mask. Second of all, I've been vaccinated. That was kind of the reason I got vaccinated. Third, if you don't, if you, if you feel uncomfortable, you move away from me. But that was clearly a political thing. That was clearly a, a journalist just trying to start oh. something. I can't take these people seriously anymore. It, it is, it is a dog and pony show everywhere. And I'm sure, you know, the reporter said, you know, it would make us feel better. And I was like, and I said, that's, I, I had to tweet it out. It's like, the guy's been vaccinated. You can stay away from him, but it would make me feel better is the antithesis. Uh, antithesis? It's yeah. the antithesis of science. It would make me feel better for you to wear a mask. Okay, you wear the mask. You back up if you feel uncomfortable. And you know what else? This is one of the things that I've, I've been saying from the beginning, but you don't need to lock down the healthy for the vulnerable to willingly lock down. And so, you know, people who have complained that all I do is complain, what would you do? I said, well, it's very simple what I would do. It's much easier to say it in hindsight now that things panned out the way they did, where the deaths occurred, where they did. I said, I would protect the vulnerable, lock down the vulnerable and the sick. And if anybody feels so scared that they don't want to go out, you can compensate them. Yeah. Say, okay, I'm too scared to go to work. Okay, I'm not. You are. It would be cheaper for the people to, who feel too uncomfortable to go out because they're too scared to stop working, get a government subsidy, whatever you want to call it, CERB, and let those who are willing and actually not at risk to go out and continue supporting society financially and to preserve the fabric of a free and democratic society. And lo and behold, that, that you know, we will never know what might have been, but in Canada, when 80% of the fatalities occurred in long-term healthcare facilities because they were not adequately protected in the beginning. Oh yeah, we killed them. Well, I, I wouldn't use that rhetoric. I, I would use that rhetoric with Cuomo and yeah. uh, Whitmer. <laughs> not necessarily, with us, uh, we certainly failed to protect them. Uh, yeah. And when you have, again, hindsight's twenty twenty. But again, but they didn't, you know what's crazy about it is that they didn't know. I have a friend who works, I have two friends actually who work in, in uh, long-term care facilities and they said the same thing. They go, it was a cluster. Everyone was getting it. They they were locking it down. Family members couldn't visit. It was just so far along by the time they realized what's happening. It, uh, here, it wasn't done on purpose. Whereas in the state, like in New York, when Cuomo said, we got people with COVID, put them in the old folks home. But That's crazy. It's crazy. And by executive order. And now he says, well, I was just relying on the CDC guidance, which said you could do this. He was saying, well, the CDC guidance, uh, they, they revoked that guidance and Cuomo and Whitmer renewed it month over month well after that guidance had been largely... Uh, known to be problematic yeah. in Canada. Yeah. Well, again, it's easy to place blame. I don't think we didn't know what was going on, but when we have our government literally donating our PPE to China in February and then the, sh and then the, the poop hits the fan in March, can't say you didn't know it because the reason why you're donating it to China, a country of 1.8 billion people is because it's a big problem. Yeah. If you think that that big problem is not going to come to Canada, uh, finish fill in the blank for the sentence. So you have them giving away our PPE and I was getting calls in the beginning because I'm still a lawyer, but I'm just not, I'm not accepting new mandates. I'm not practicing it because it turns my stomach. I'm getting calls from people who have loved ones in, in long-term healthcare facilities saying they're understaffed, they're un unequipped and you know, people are sick. 
would you represent us? And I said, I, no, but you know, here's a number, a referral. But they knew that it was a problem. And when they lock down everybody, and then what ends up happening is that the staff from one facility goes, because they don't have enough, goes, works in another, and they're all infected. They're just literally propagating it among the most vulnerable who are unable to protect themselves because of idiotic government decisions. But, but the solution to all of that idiocy, how do you do it? Double down and punish the rest of society. You got to go into curfew a year later, Francois Legault, because over the last year, I've done absolutely nothing to ensure that our healthcare facilities can, can handle a surge of, of patients. And what were the numbers when they locked us down? A thousand people in hospital, a few hundred in ICU at the highest, I think. And then it was, you know, under a thousand in hospital, under a couple hundred in ICU. And it's not to undermine it. And but, by the way, the ICU, one of my friends, she works at, uh, actually, I, I baptize her, her, her kid. Uh, she works at a, in the West Island and she's in intensive care for these patients. And she goes, they're completely understaffed. I, they're fighting the, the, every day. These nurses, they, we don't have enough nurses. So they're not working on getting more nurses, on expanding. They're just throwing people at them like, here, you deal with it. You know, and, and I had this discussion with a few doctors. I, I don't uh, share the anecdotal stuff because it, it is anecdotal. It, it is and, anecdotal. And, yeah. I, and I don't like uh, not disclosing my sources. I just don't want to get anybody in trouble. For okay, yeah. But I've had these discussions and they say, yeah, well, you know, it's always understaffed. It's it's always understaffed. Yeah. This is not a COVID unique issue. No, no, this has been going on for years here. Going on for years, 2018, yeah. flu season, overwhelmed, understaffed. So now you knew this was coming for the last year. And I'm and I'm and I'm relentless with Francois Legault because it's it's it is in your face uh ivory tower governance that it, that uh punishes the lowly citizenry for the incompetence of the government. 13 million dollars a month on COVID awareness. So it's a hundred. It was. I mean, I broke it down. It's something like hundred. Who's not aware? One hundred and fifty. Well, there's two things. Who walked out and said, "Huh, so this mask style is really, really no, picking no. up." <laughs> so two, people have like two. There's two ways that people respond to that. They say a true pandemic doesn't require a ad campaign, which I, which I can appreciate, but I can also appreciate you need to sensitize people and you need to, you know, what to do practically. Doesn't you know? Wash your hands, wear a mask. Yeah. yeah. Um, but thirteen million a month on COVID awareness. And I, I don't do the research, the uh, investigative stuff, but I would be curious to know which marketing campaigns, which celebrities are getting these contracts. I suspect I know, but I can't substantiate it. Um, but it's instead of, you know, increasing pay, uh, hiring new, hiring more staff, you know, the 13 million a month on COVID awareness. Making sure you don't give schools poisonous masks. Well, make sure you make sure that's, that's even to the extent <laughs> that you're requiring kids to wear face masks eight hours a day, which I find to be that's, yeah. an outrage in the first place. But what do I know? I'm just a lawyer, not a doctor, except we know we have enough stats to know the transmission and the kids role in it. Uh, I, face masks on kids and face masks on anybody, uh, you know, eight hours a day especially given the warning labels on these face masks. If anybody hasn't read them, read them. You'll be shocked as to what they do protect against and what they don't. But the face masks, to some extent, I understand it. You know, people spit when they talk. If they're, yeah. if they're, if they're, if they're um, symptomatic, it, it's common sense. Forcing them on kids day, day long is, it's, it, I will not use inflammatory rhetoric. It is beyond unjustifiable to me. Asinine is what we're going with. I, was, <laughs> I, I, have, I have an even more extreme char characterization, but I will uh, avoid it. But yeah, it is, um, it's abusive. Um, but imagine you're, just, you're, you're blowing money on, uh, on things. You are enacting measures, which I, and I will be relentless against Horatio Ruta as well, who says, you don't, you know, there is no, um, what is the word? No concrete evidence of the effectiveness of a curfew on the spread of a virus. He says this. Well, of and, course. And, and then he says, you know, it's more of a more time measure. 
Uh, but it's a good reminder that people shouldn't be gathering. It's like, okay, so you're, you are stripping me of my civil liberties to go out of my flipping house after eight o'clock as a reminder of a law that you already have in, in place, which as far as I'm concerned is also unconstitutional. So th- this, it's, it's purely punitive. Yeah. Uh, but when you have them wasting taxpayer dollars uh, in enacting punitive measures, which are, which are by their own admission, not effective or no evidence of being effective, uh, and not doing the basic stuff. We, we were in curfew because there were a thousand people in the hospital and a few hundred in ICU in a province of eight and a half million. If that makes sense to anybody, if we live in a province that, that the healthcare system is so weak and so fragile that that is what breaks us, well, the problem is arguably the virus, but less arguably an incompetent government that has a failing healthcare system that was failing before COVID. That proves that the nurses and doctors were 100% right for years here where they were complaining. They're like, look, we're understaffed, underpaid people are leaving, and if shit ever does hit the fan, we can't handle it. The nurses and the doctors were 100% right. They were, tell- they were telling us for years, and the government was putting money in other... Same with education. They refused to put money where they should put money, and they put in these random programs. Check out how much François Legault is spending on on uh, language police. The, 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 the on, on on I mean, and it's I not, received my pamphlet last week. And it's not to say I, I value I value those measures, but when you're wasting I, I don't know what it was hundreds of millions of dollars on political issues when you are stripping people of their civil rights because you can't accommodate a health crisis, you have displaced priorities, and and I would say so much so that you, you should never be allowed to hold office again. I don't think he's. I don't think he can get reelected because, as far there are people out there who message me and they're like, "No, um, I'll take the vaccine." Take the, why? But there's also one friend of mine who is adamant about take whatever vaccine they give you. Stop asking, is it AstraZeneca? You know, just take it. No. The government knows. But he's also the same guy that when I brought him to eat pizza, he got upset. This was two years ago that they didn't have uh, the gluten free um, version or whatever, and I was like, "That you cared about, but this when people are like, it hasn't been tested, it could be dangerous." You're like, "Ah, whatever, I'll take it." So it's all crazy to me. Well, so I, and, and but I, I'm just y- saying that even people. Uh, the reason why I'm bringing this up, I don't think it's gonna get reelected because even people like him are mad about the curfew, and I think that regardless of the masks and the vaccine, I think that a lot of people, the common ground now is, wait, wait, hold on a second, my civil rights, I can't vote for you again when you're willing to, as an adult, give me a curfew with no scientific backing, no one else is doing it in Canada, and just justify it by saying, well, some people are having a party. No, I can't it, get punished for someone else's crime. That's crazy. It, it, I, and as far as I'm concerned, we've seen the video in Gatineau of the cops busting a New Year's Eve party. I remember that. It, it, you, him telling me that I can't have people in my house mm. is, already. Already, is already over the top. But, um, but what's crazy is even that's all over the top, and then to punish you... For your neighbor, not that you'd be against it, you could be all for your neighbor having a party, but then to punish you because your neighbor had a party, that to me, that's why the curfew doesn't make any sense to me. But it's it's a good reminder. This is what they literally said during the press conference. It's a good reminder of the severity of the situation. And, And at a time when you can't compare this to the flu because that is a cancelable offense. 2018 the hospitals were overwhelmed during the flu season. It was one of the worst flu seasons we've ever had, and a lot of people died in the States and in Canada. In 2018, there were articles that the healthcare system is overloaded. This is not a unique phenomenon to this year. True. And the government has failed to address it. And what do they do? Pun- literally punish the citizens for their own inaction and their own incompetence. And, that, and look, I, I voted for Francois Legault. I, 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 and people say, well, you're an Anglophone and how could you vote for the CAC? Oh, uh, that's not true. That's- not, I, I, at the time, and even at the beginning of the pandemic, before Francois, I, I believe, lost his mind, 
um, before he started tweeting about the World Economic Forum yeah. and reading Klaus Schwab's The Fourth Industrial Revolution <laughs> and the World Economic Forum's plan in 2030 that people should own nothing and they'll be happy about it, before he actually started going off the deep end and tweeting that nonsense publicly, and that's incidentally when I really started questioning his, his not his intentions, but his decision-making abilities. When you tweet to a public that already knows about this great reset uh, idea, the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, when you tweet that you read his book uh, while you were locking people down, uh, I, I question your judgment. He started off fine, and then he really went off the deep end quickly, as did a lot of other people. But uh, all let's say, incompetent government, and what do they do faced with their own incompetence? They take it out on the citizens because... You know, they view us as subjects and not uh, them as our servants, which is what they are. Which is what they are, yeah. It sounds, it sounds terrible to say. I, 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 no, but well, you're a public servant. You are a public servant. You work for the people, and they are not subservient to you. And they have it uh, backwards like it's nobody's business. And, you know, while they are literally destroying lives and livelihoods with measures that are of questionable effect... You want to talk about another poor judgment? Yeah. Uh, Francois Legault puts up his uh, mansion for, uh, on the market for $5 million. I didn't see that. It's, <laughs> it, I mean, it, it's, it, and, and, and it, the, the mansion in which I suspect he's been living during the lockdown has a pool and a cinema. And now people have lost their everything. And this guy thinks it was a good move to put his $5 million mansion with a cinema and a pool up on the market. And the reason for which they're selling it, he's spending a lot of time in Quebec City and this is too much house to handle. While people have been locked in one and a half, two and a half apartments. Lost their jobs? Lost their jobs. Are living off a stipend of $2,000 a month. If they're qualified. Women are getting beat up. Apparently domestic violence is domestic, way up. Domestic violence is through the roof. And then, and, then, and then they run ad campaigns about domestic violence. As if, as if people need to see an ad against domestic violence to know that it's terrible. As, I mean, if, if I didn't see that ad, I would have beat the shit out of my no, wife. It's, I'm telling it's, you. It's, you ought to imagine how, how offensive it is. Like they're, they're running ads stating the obvious yeah. of a problem that is being exacerbated because of their policies. And so they're, wa they're punishing people through their policies and then they're punishing them again by wasting their money to remind good people not to abuse your, your spouses as if anybody needed that reminder um, when the problem is exacerbated uh, is specifically because of their policies. Uh, spousal abuse, drug abuse, overdoses, suicide, and, and all of this. I mean, there were people saying, rightly, the lockdowns have killed more children than COVID. The, yeah, I heard about uh, a lot of kids committing suicide. Suicide overdoses, and you know, and then if you trust the media, you have a, an article in the CBC saying suicides have actually gone down during the lockdown. I'll, I'll believe. What? Yeah, no, <laughs> it, it, it's it, it's. I've it, never heard so much about suicides around me as I have this year. And and again, I'm I'm not going anecdotal. Yeah, I'm just I'm, personally from my experience. Though, I'm just letting people know I've and I know a lot of people, and I there's people that haven't had the best life and they made some terrible decisions. But this year in particular, I had I didn't know how many people were depressed. When I started hearing about suicides that were close to me, uh, people that were just losing their minds, and I attribute it to the fact that they're locked down, they're not making money, they got fired. This, it's crazy. It's there's no. It's it's a no brainer. It's an it's such a no brainer that when I read that article, I think it was CBC where they said suicides have actually gone down. With the big caveat, we haven't finished counting. That's so weird. You have to get into the article to even see it. Uh, no one call it bias, call it uh, stubbornness. Nobody's going to convince me that suicides have gone down, period. So I'm starting from that perspective yeah. and may, call me wrong for thinking it, it's, it's a no-brainer. Um, overdoses, kids experimenting with drugs, uh, having negative effects. We've seen articles about it. There was a lawsuit in the States. It's not going to go anywhere. 
a family of a, of, a, of a teenager who committed suicide wants to sue the government. It's, it's not going to go anywhere because government is immune from the consequences of their own actions. But it, it, it's while all of this is going on, people you know, shutting down businesses, shutting down non-essential businesses, going to do the quotes again, as if anybody's life and livelihood is non-essential. And then these government officials who are never missing a paycheck were already filthy wealthy to begin with or got filthy wealthy in politics, which is an equally shocking offense, selling their mansions for five million bucks because it's too much house. Oh, well, God. It, it's, you, you have to be blind and you have to have lost your good sense to even think of this. Setting, setting aside the fact that, sorry, I'm screaming, uh, some people might actually think that this is also a politician taking advantage of potentially insider knowledge of where the where the uh, market's going in a year or two. I think it's going to crash. Uh, it can't sustain this. No, That's why I think it's hilarious that he's like, there's a crisis, people are losing their jobs. Ooh, the market's up. It's, yeah. it's good, good time to sell. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm just waiting for him to, you know, for it to be released that he's buying a, a place in Florida. <laughs> I didn't even know that he was on... I didn't even know that he put this mansion on on the market, but just the fact that you 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 touched on something that's important, the pool, the cinema, not that he shouldn't have it. Go ahead and have your, uh, you know, the successful. I, I'm just saying it's weird for him to go out and say, look, roll up your sleeves. It's just we're, a lockdown. We're all in it together. We're all so in it together. It's like, no, you're not. A lot of people that are in law, it's like what you said, they're in one and a half, two and a half. Some of them are alone. Some of them are two or three people in a small apartment. There's no freedom. They can't go do anything. Uh, the, if they have a job where they're working from home in the day, at night when they would love to take a walk or go out, it's like, oh, I'm done after eight. No, you're locked no, down. You it's, can't. It's crazy to then tell these people when you're swimming, when you you have your own movie theater, to be like, ah, come on, guys, we're, like, this is easy. Oh, just just one more year. And, oh. he, and he tweets out the other day, so we're celebrating our second Easter a little differently, as if as if that's a sign of success. To he's celebrating his own incompetence, but it, it's it's terrible. I mean, I I have I'm anecdotal, but I I know people. They literally walk by my house, ring the doorbell, and I come outside and talk with them. And and the person's like, I wake up, I I wake up alone. I go to sleep alone. My business is closed. I have no, I, I don't even see my customers anymore. And the person was in tears. And I was like, it's, it's, good. it's, it's heartbreaking. But people are gonna say, well, it's heartbreaking, but you got to do it. It's for the greater good. We know the numbers now and we know who's vulnerable and we know who's not. So at this point, the, you know, e even the science, their own science can't justify it. And people have to, but, but flip side is people have been conditioned into terror so much. So over the last year, they are almost afraid of freedom. And, and it's, I, I forget who it was, but they said, you know, the, 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 I'm going to mangle the expression, but it's something about the slave who, uh, who, who envies for their slavery because they actually fear freedom. And we've gotten there. Like people jump across the street because they've been conditioned to regard other humans as toxic vessels of instant death, as yeah. opposed to what COVID actually is. You heard of Stockholm syndrome? Oh yeah. We have Stockholm syndrome. That's <laughs> what's happening. No, now. It's, it's yeah. Stockholm syndrome and it's, uh, I made a video a while back. I basically said, this is perfectly analogous to an abusive relationship. The, the relationship we have with the government is an abusive relationship. They tell us we can't live without them. They tell us what to do. They tell us who we can talk to. They tell us who our friends can be. And they tell us we, we, we could not survive without them. And we should be thankful for it. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's, that's, it, it, it's, it's abuse. And then it's telling us to be thankful for it. It could be worse. Hey, I, we could have put curfew at five o'clock. You should be. You should be thankful that it's. We should be thankful. We went back to nine thirty because COVID is a, a daylight savings respecting virus. 
It's madness. It's and I love that you said that because I remember when they brought that up. You know, we could have put it at six because in Paris or something they had it at six. I was like, what the hell kind of an excuse is that? That's insane. Who says that? It's 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 insane. You have um and you know my channel is I have the channel is is split American Canadian but much more American and you know. I, it wasn't for lack of lawsuits. Let me rephrase. It was for lack of lawsuits that I was not covering Canadian anti-lockdown lawsuits because there were just there were there were few and far in between. In the states, people were filing them. In Canada, you know, you have the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms doing God's work in the in the suits that they're taken up, but then you have a few other lawsuits and they don't go anywhere because you know the politicians listen to their medical appointees, the medical appointees advise the politicians, and then the govern and then the judges. Say, well, I don't want to be the one who's going to get accused of killing grandma, so I'm going to just uh, defer to the to the legitimacy, the prima facie legitimacy of the of the law and the uh, public interest of the measures the government is imposing. And you know, you have a big burden to overcome to prove to the court that it is that the measures are unconstitutional and ought to be reversed because the benefits uh, do not outweigh the uh, the risks. And it would be impossible to do so, even if on a personal level. You're covered. So let's say, for example, you're vaccinated. Uh, you already had it. You have anti. Even if you're going in with, look, I'm being prevented from living my free life when I'm not at risk. They would still probably in court be like, well, I know what you're saying. However, the doctor said. That, oh, I, I had a discussion yeah. with someone who had COVID, and they said, I said, you you had it. Now you're still nervous because of the new variants. When the first time you had it, and you were among the most at risk, the the word, you know, you, you you your biggest question when you had it was, should I should I exercise type thing. And they said, well, I, I was lucky that I, I said, you were, you were lucky. You weren't lucky because you were statistic. I mean, it's statistics. Even though you were at the most at risk demographic, statistically, it was what it was. You had it. It's gone. Now you still refuse to accept freedom or even take chances in quotes because you're now terrified of the new variant, the new variant, which the government is pushing in your face over and over I again. I keep hearing about this. Without, yeah. yeah, without, without providing more meaningful numbers other than 10% increase of the new variant, this is Doug Ford again, who I'm giving it a hard time. Affects kids or something. There was, there was, yeah, I don't know if it's just fear mongering. Well, I mean, and then you can't even ask the question because it makes you a conspiracy theorist. But yeah. it, it is a known fact that the ordinary flu is more risky for children than COVID. I see. But I didn't know that. This is why it, I have you it's, around. It's, it's well, I mean, I, and I only know this because I just I spend I'm immersed with it because you know you see the evidence that's adduced in lawsuits. And I didn't know for the record until last year how many people die of the flu every right? year. I had no idea when I saw the numbers last. year, I was like, what the fuck? Well, and, <laughs> this should have been a concern. It's it's an amazing thing it's shocking no one batted an eye the annual flu deaths were, were admittedly it's more now from covid what's coming out of the of the information and this is coming from lawsuits filed by the justice uh, jccf uh other stats what's coming out of it is that the average uh death rate the average death age of covid is roughly in line with the average lifespan and so what's happening is this is not a medical opinion this is just stats and what you know what's out there is that the, the people are dying of the virus who had, you know, what they call underlying comorbidities. Whereas these, you know, they, for a 5,000 increase, and this is apparently coming out of Calgary, I believe, or um, Alberta, I think. But, you know, there's been an increase and a correlative decrease in heart condition deaths because COVID was killing the people instead of heart condition. And so you have this sort of, you, you, there's definitely a, an increase in deaths because it is affecting more people. It is what it is. The only question is how much and who's dying. And, you know, in Canada, the excess mortality, you know, it might have been, I, I think the excess mortality might have been between four and 10,000. Okay, now reassess. And is what we're doing going to cause more than four to 10,000 deaths 
in, in, in a foreseeable future as a direct result. And the wonderful thing, the convenient thing is the government can always say, well, we don't know. We'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. But overdoses, uh, people who are now not going for cancer treatments, people who are not going for elective surgeries, and people think elective surgeries is like, you know, like all like, I want, a, jobs, I want yeah. a nose job or, and I use the analogy like having a mole removed, but even that's pretty bad because if you don't have potentially malignant moles removed, it can metastasize and, and turn into something else. People not getting these elective surgeries are going to have big problems. And, and people don't even think like basic, not people not going to the dentist and the bacteria on gums causing heart disease. Yeah. They're not even thinking. They're not thinking about the longer term effects. It is now it's become one death is too many. And, and quite literally, the, the philosophy that the government has adopted, any death from COVID is too much. We have to do everything we can, even if it means, uh, you know, people don't seem to care about the constitutional side, so avoid the legal side, even if it means what is invariably going to cause more problems longer term. Um, and in, in one of the judgments coming out of Quebec, the judge literally said that uh, one of the measures the, the plaintiff was trying to uh, strike down was the, uh, among the curfew measures, but also face masks on kids aged 6 to 12. And their argument, they had an expert, Dr. Bhattacharya, who said, we know the risk of transmission from kids and we know the risks of wearing face masks. And the judge literally said, it's verbatim translation, paraphrasing, uh, the risk, however minimal, is there nonetheless and any risk is too much. But then we can't live. By that logic, well, I can't walk out of my house because I could get hit by something. Well, but getting hit by something is not contagious is going to be the response. Oh. But, what, but the other response is, we know there's a risk of wearing a mask. So applying that very same logic, oh, yeah. there's, there's a, I, 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 you know, I would have, I'd like to think I would have been sassy with the judge, but by this time it's already in the judgment. Nobody's talking to the judge anymore. All right, any risk is too much. We know there's a risk from wearing masks. So where do we apply that logic and where do we not? Uh, but it, it's, COVID has become a government industry and uh, it has become an all-encompassing existence-justifying uh, industry to the government. And uh, you know, it, it, while you simultaneously see uh, states like Florida and Texas having been opened and un unmasked now for four weeks, and the numbers are, from what I understand, at an all-time, or virtually at an all-time low. Which I can't understand, for the record. None of this makes any sense to me because of Texas. My in-laws live in Texas. And they've been pretty, they told me, and they're older, obviously, but they told me that they were pretty willy-nilly, uh, not themselves, yeah. but Texas in general, for the past year. Uh, and they've been like, yeah, we've been having gatherings, parties. Uh, there's now even the mask mandate, I think, was taken down, so you don't have to wear a mask. And they were saying that the numbers were lower, and I couldn't make heads or tails. Like, How? I'm not saying it would kill more people, but the numbers being down makes me so confused. I don't it, understand how any of this works. The, the numbers... Uh, the numbers are down. The, you, you can chart it. You can see it. You could, I just you, don't understand how that happens. So, well, but I understand how I, I did a uh, a stream with a, a doctor, Doctor Z Dog. Uh, okay. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna forget his name, but Doctor Z Dog on on YouTube with Doctor Drew. And so one Doctor Z Dog, you know, explains that the, these these viruses they have life cycles, and and they, you know, there's a certain cycle they they follow regardless. What I can't understand is we see now what's happening. Texas is opening up, and it's it's not just not catastrophic; it's the flip side. And yet, at the same time, uh, you have Ontario going into a lockdown because Ford says the the the, the positive cases are up ten percent, but doesn't refer to uh, hospitalizations or or uh, ICU. Mortality, yeah. And so, and, and you can get those charts. And the interesting thing is, you can get those charts; they're available on the government websites, and they show you know an increase in positive po positivity maybe some to some extent of hospitalizations but then you see the ICUs and it's 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 virtually you know flat and then the other issues even if if it's going up a certain amount you still have to balance these things with 
society that needs society. to function also. You know, the, you know, people are saying that the Constitution in the United States did not have a, uh, an exception for viruses or for pandemics. It's constitutional freedoms. And the government has just trampled on them. And they've trampled on them. And then you find out six months down the line that the deaths and, Flor- and New York and Michigan are atrocious because it didn't just kill tens of thousands in New York and Michigan. Uh, there was the variant that, that came into New York because of the transmission to the old person's homes, et cetera, spread to the, spread to the U.S. where there was something like the majority of uh, the cases in the U.S. were variants that originated from New York. So these, this incompetence spreads nationally. And then what do you have? The government stonewalling to communicate the information and, uh, you know, punishing the citizens. It's, it, it, I, never in a million years would I have thought we'd be here uh, for something like this. Or I never thought we'd be here ever. Um, you know, I've seen the movie Contagion and, you know. Yeah, I saw so, it last year, scared the shit out of me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's enough to terrify anybody. I saw it a week after everything started to get locked down. <laughs> oh, yeah. but, and, and I remember, you know, I remember walking the streets uh, after this lockdown. I remember looking at the train zipping by and it was empty. Same, same. And, and I was like, this, this feels like out of, a, out of a horror movie. And at the time, I was terrified too. At the time, I was washing fruits. Everything. I, I, my food, actual fruits, I was putting rubbing alcohol in them. I was going crazy. Now, looking back, I, I, may, I, may, I may have overreacted. I may have overreacted. <laughs> I, and and you're like, you overreact and you appreciate it in hindsight. But it's, uh, you know, it, 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 like you say now, is if, if that is how easily it spread and how f- and more, and f- more fatal it was, we'd all, be, we'd all be dead by now. But we know, we know the stats and, and you know the percentages and you know the demographics that are at risk. And you know, it's something like 80% of those hospitalized with COVID were obese or overweight. Mm, and then yeah. I think it was obese, not just overweight. So we know so much more now. And then the only question is, how on earth are the restrictions getting stricter uh, and, the, and nothing has been actually done to resolve the underlying problem? There is a problem. It's with our healthcare system and it's with our governance. And instead of resolving these complicated problems, curfew. And what about the, the law? Lo- I, I, I don't want to forget that's the lockdown hotels. Oh, the quarantine hotels. Yeah, the are. quarantine hotels. Sorry. If I come, if I got to go to Texas, which uh, I work and I go to Texas a lot normally and I haven't been in over a year. You're telling me right now that if I come back, I even though I live here, instead of going to my house, I would be forced by law. This is a law. I can't fight it. It, it is. So it's arguable whether or not it's a law. Have you seen the video of this guy named Chris Sky? Yeah, the guy with the tattoos. Yeah. yeah. So, but he also said some crazy shit in other said, videos. Yeah. Uh, well, yes. And that's why I, I would... People said, have him on your show. The guy says a lot of things which are highly questionable, but he gets some things right. <laughs> yeah. You know, the Quarantine Act uh, allows for administering a non-invasive test where an instrument is not inserted in the body. So the nasal swab, as far as my understanding of the law goes, uh-huh. is unlawful because it is an instrument that enters the body. A saliva test, not so much. So you can do the saliva test, nothing goes in your body, you spit in the vial. Quarantine hotels, quarantine facilities, government-designated quarantine facilities, are, are, are arguable because, but the bottom line is when it comes to these quarantine uh, directions that are coming from quarantine officers, you have to abide failing which you can, there's a hefty fine, $750,000 depending on the infraction in the quarantine act and imprisonment. So I, I don't know, you know, this guy went through and said, I'm not going, I'm not doing a test and I'm not staying in a hotel and the police let him go through. And I've heard of other people doing it as well. Um, but people, you know, doesn't stop the government from doing it. At your own expense, by the way. And I don't know, did you see this le- allegedly leaked memo from a liberal party that people were sending by email and it said, here's, here's how the next two years are going to progress and it had Q- Q1. Oh, this was last year? This was I, last I year. thought that was fake. 
Well, I mean, I, I'm convinced it's fake. People still think it's real. I'm convinced it's fake for a, a logical reason that in that memo, it says we're going to build quarantine facilities and detention centers. <laughs> I was like, I was like, this is why it's fake. You don't need to build them. The government can just designate whatever An area. it wants. Yeah. You could take a hotel, which is what it did. So, which is why, you know, it might've been a, a, a very accurate or realistic, you know, sci-fi or re real fi prediction of where things could go. But I think the memo itself was, was bunk. Same, yeah. Um, but that I ever thought we would have government designated quarantine facilities where the government would lock you up for two weeks, like they did in, in, in oh, it's Melbourne. It's in Australia. I'm not sure if it's Melbourne. It, it, it's unfathomable. I mean, Australia makes sense. That place was a prison. Well, <laughs> Australia was a prison and it's an island nation. And they, they, but you know where they had the biggest outbreaks? In the government run quarantine facilities. Which because, is hilarious. Which is hilarious because you have these staff having intercourse with people in the hotel, spreading it around. <laughs> I, I know, I, at one point, I remember an article, I remember something saying that it was sort of bartered sex. Like they were saying, let's, you do this and we'll let you go outside. You'll get like, time in the yard. I, I couldn't find anything to corroborate that in uh, real time now because uh, the internet and the, the proverbial Orwellian memory hole are amazing things. But one thing is for certain, they were the, that's where the outbreak occurred. And who, whoever thinks the government is going to do something better than... I won't even say private enterprise, but that the individual themselves is is living in a, not just a fantasy, delusion. Because yeah. it just doesn't happen. And first so of all, government, people forget they're people like me and you. If I make mistakes, you make mistakes. You think the idiot that has no accountability is not going to make mistakes. No, you, and you see it. You, they, they have these facilities. They're, it's like, it's a complex infrastructure. The government sets them up. Then you have staff that work there. They have to communicate. They have to organize everything, food. And I, we were seeing reports. Coming, Rebel Media is the only place that really is criticizing this. In some quarantine facilities, they don't have food. They literally run out of food. Oh, in, well, I didn't in, know in that. In other ones, oh, there, was, there was one hotel where they ran out of food. People were waiting hours to get food. In another one, uh, you know, people with allergies were getting served food that would put them in the hospital. Uh, and in the one, at least they weren't being given COVID. So. Know, you know, hashtag at least it wasn't COVID. <laughs> um, in another one, there was there was there was sexual assault. In, in yeah, the that one. I saw. I saw the Montreal girl. And and, yeah. and and it took forty five minutes for the security at a government run quarantine facility to come to her room. And the level of idiocy is you actually have people saying, "Well, why did she open the door? I mean, she's in quarantine. Who? Why did she open the door to someone knock on it?" I was like, uh, set, uh, setting aside victim blaming. Yeah, that's a weird thing. That's like when the taxi driver was, remember those taxi drivers, those raping girls here? And then someone said, well, why are they dressed? Like, why are they going taking a taxi it, at night? What the, what kind no, of excuse it's, is it's, that? It's so, it's so, it's shameless and offensive victim blaming. But the, the idea that you're locked in a quarantine facility and incidentally, uh, what's her name? Uh, Nikki, oh, I'm going to forget the last name, but it might come to me. A, uh, a religious singer from out West was okay. hauled off to one, not told where she was going. Her husband was not told where she was going. Oh, that's insane. And But this happened on multiple occasions. It happened to another woman with her 21-year-old son coming back from Arizona. Hauled off. They're not told where they're going. As if secrecy is not just uh, useful, but as if it's even beneficial that we shouldn't know where these things are. We shouldn't be able to follow them. We shouldn't. They shouldn't be subject to government to uh, media scrutiny. That's crazy. Hauled off. And then and then what happens, happens. We haven't seen the outbreaks yet, but but people are assaulted because... These are the government just, you know, the government at, at its core are still people. People yeah. are fallible and people are incompetent. And whether or not there's more incompetent people in government, that's a, a, an argument for another day. But it, it, the, inevitably it happens. And the idea that they would force you into a hotel and make you pay for it, as yeah. opposed to letting you go to your house. I know somebody else who was not allowed to go back to their house to stay with their family 
because they came back from the States. And but again, I, what's the logic on where you stay? Oh, because you don't want to infect the family. It's for the, it's for the greater so good. So if you're single, you're allowed to go home? Good question. I don't know. I don't I, think so. I, That's why I heard well, that. This, no, because no, the, the, the people, the person I know had a, had a, owned another unit and went to their other unit. So I think if they you were have, allowed, if you have reasonable accommodations, you can do it. But I, the other day, I mean, you're trying to make sense out of absolute idiocy because the other question is, what is the level of transmission that's actually coming from this source in the first place? Well, also, if I get it in Montreal, let's say I get COVID at one of the hospitals. I don't know, something happens. I break my leg over the hospital. I get it. Then I'm not transferred to one of their facilities. I can go home. Is there a different strain of COVID from, is airport well, so, COVID so, more, it, it doesn't. So, so there, there was, the argument is one, it's the new variants coming from the UK. That's the, 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 the big risk. But it's, the utter madness is even at the, ho- at the airports. And I got a call from someone who says, I, I came in, I've had my negative test. I have my proof. They say it's not the right test. They've stuck me in a line shoulder to shoulder with international flights for three hours. I'm spread so, more. Spread more. And, and now they want to stick, they're going to stick me in a government run facility for two weeks or however long it takes, you know, because you could still be carrying it even if you test negative. And then if there's an outbreak there, they can just keep me there. I mean, basically you can be kept there indefinitely. That's Undisclosed cool. location. I say, you're better off getting arrested. Yeah. At, least, at least you can get a lawyer and at least you know where you're going. But it's, um, <laughs> it, people have resigned themselves. People no longer respect fundamental civil rights. And, and it's, it's, what, it's how people allow themselves to get abused in relationships, in, in work environments. When you don't respect yourself and when you don't think you're entitled to a certain basic, if not a, a, a certain type of treatment, you'll let people do whatever, whatever they want to you. All right. Well, before I let you go, I got to know. What happened? You were in law and then did, was it a YouTube video that you made that started it all? Have I've never ever, asked you. Have you? Well, I, I can say a few more minutes. I have, I've been no Okay, rush, yeah, but, good, good. So the, the, uh, have you ever seen a video of a squirrel taking a GoPro and carrying it up a tree? Yeah, of course. That was my first video. So that, that was you. That was me back in the day, 24, oh. November 14th, 20, November something, 2014. And so I, I've been a lawyer since 2007, sworn in, uh, worked at a, a firm called Borden Ladner Gervais, BLG, at the time was one of the biggest law firms in Canada. Okay. I left there after I had my first kid because I wanted to actually see my kid awake during the day, started my own firm, but I sort of wanted to go into commercial photography. I was dis- disillusioned with law, uh, but before I could even uh, get rejected from Dawson College uh, commercial photography, I started getting calls for law. And so I started, then I, I got files. I opened up a tiny office on the corner of St. Catherine and, and Green Avenue and eventually built it up into a, you know, a five-person law firm. My father left Stike Minnelli a few years later and then we joined up. Oh but in the meantime, I, I got a GoPro in 2014 and I loved it. And I just started making stupid videos. Then I discovered you know, YouTube, viral videos, video licensing and all this stuff. And it was like, you know, I, I could make a little pocket change by doing stuff that I love to do anyhow. And then I started doing daily vlogs at one point, but I noticed whenever I did a vlog touching on law, a life of a lawyer, I went to give blood and talked about some experiences. People said, I love this. I want to see more of it. And so then I started doing more of those. And then 2018, I did the breakdown of the Alex Jones deposition. I, I remember. It was fantastic. I mean, it was, I didn't think it was going to go anywhere. I would have done it not on my roof, not wearing sunglasses, because I find wearing sunglasses in videos is now a no-no. Uh, but it, it went, you know, got a quarter of a million views it exposed me to some of the censorship on YouTube, whatever. But that was really where the channel started picking up uh, at an exponential rate. And then I just focused on law. And it's become sustainable. It's, it's, it's a blessing. You know, like the, the, the person who loves what they do never works a day in their life. Yeah. Uh, it, it's endless stress because you gotta, you got to research. you got to know what you're talking about. You can't really... You can make mistakes. You just can't make negligent mistakes. And you can't be stupid and you can't, be, uh, you can't uh, display poor judgment. 
Uh, but other than that, you know, it's it, it it became sustainable. It spiraled into uh, there's now like a YouTube law community. There's there's a dozen lawyers doing this, and nobody really competes with each other. It's just it's a community where everybody yeah, has, like Robert Barnes. You guys talk. Robert and, yeah. Barnes is on. We have a thing on my channel. There's Nate the lawyer. There's Uncivil Law. There's Leonard French Legal Legal. There's a whole there's R and R Law Group. There's a whole community. Everybody sort of does their own thing. Has their own quirks and has their own a niche, but it's it's we've created this market on YouTube of lawyers breaking things down, explaining things, and it's magnificent. And then, you know, it leads to other, hasn't really led to other ventures yet, but it's, um, it is just, it's fantastic because it really allows me to do what I would otherwise be doing. I'd be reading this stuff and getting enraged at what's going on in the world, but it gives me an excuse now to, to at least educate others and democratize information so that people can not just hear the headlines, understand what's going on there. Because once you get past the headlines, people will be shocked by the, by the, by the truth. Were you surprised when, because you said you, know, you get angry and now you could talk about it, because I'm a guy who gets angry easy too. Were you surprised when you saw how many people were like, I agree and I'm glad someone put it in a way that's not stupid? Well, I, I'm, I, was, I was shocked at the, uh, the degree to which in the mainstream media we are not getting news. You're not getting news. Yeah. You are getting absolute misinformation and that's if not, you know, to call it propaganda. And my eye-opening uh, experience was one, one case in particular, Michael Flynn. Uh, which it was huge in the States, much less huge here, but you realize the media is giving you misinformation or one line of a 10-line story when the other nine lines qualify the one line. Uh, you, I've discovered the rampant judicial and intelligence corruption. Rampant. Like FBI lawyers literally falsifying documents in order to obtain search warrants before secret courts. Literally. And nobody knows this. And it's a difficult thing to even try to convince, to make people realize this because everyone's like, yeah, anyone who knew the story of Michael Flynn says he's guilty. He pleaded guilty twice. They don't know 10% uh, uh, of the story. And Mark Twain said, you know, it's easier to fool people than it is to convince them they've been fooled. Half, uh -huh. of, half of what I try to do or half of what is the ultimate goal, or it's just become what I do is you have to make people realize that when you read the headline, you're basically being misled. And what you thought you knew is basically the exact opposite. And- Take George Floyd, for example. You know, the, the George Floyd... Wait, the Chauvin showed, case. The Chauvin case. Led to months of riots. And I saw the video at first, and I know exactly what I thought at first. And I still have the lingering uh, imprint of that original uh, thought and that original reaction. We're watching the trial now, and you're finding out that George Floyd uh, li literally uh, ingested drugs potentially to conceal them from the cops, which might have contributed to what happened. Uh, and, and you're learning what was known at the time, but not disclosed by the media. It might not have changed anything except public expectation. It's like, okay, well, maybe this is not the cut and dry case of civil rights that we want. Um, you might come to the very same conclusion that Derek Chauvin did something terrible and should go to jail. But when anybody watching the trial now is now learning a lot of things that they, that they didn't know at the time and were misrepresented at the time, and that... It, it, at least from a criminal law perspective, people have difficulty appreciating this, can create a reasonable doubt. And whereas nobody had any doubt at the time, anybody who's watching now, you, you, you begin to realize that there may be in criminal law reasonable doubt that might lead to an outcome that general society has been programmed uh, to n never expect. And so you get the media creating a narrative, repeating the narrative, and it sets a social expectation. And it happens over and over again in these high-profile cases. And once you see it, you can never unsee it. And the most, but the most difficult thing is just making people be able to see it 
when you read the headlines, more often than not, you are being overtly misled. And if you, if you rely on that, you're going to be misinformed. I think it, was, it, was, it wasn't Denzel Washington. It was attributed to him. I think it's Mark Twain also. If you read the news, if you don't read the news, you're uninformed. If you read the news, you're ill-informed, misinformed. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a. Uh, they try to attribute to, to Washington. Yeah, yeah, I see the quotes online. I don't know why. I don't know. He no, might have just, said it too. He might have been he, like, "This is a good quote." He did. He did repeat it with a variation, but I believe originally, if you, if you, I think it was Mark Twain originally, or Winston Churchill, or Abraham Lincoln. I mean, this the original. Guys. The whole Chauvin thing, though, it is. It's seeming weird now. Is what's coming out? It's a. Uh, it's a it's, little more because I still don't like the fact that as a police officer. He was just kneel, you know what I mean? Like for seven minutes, like just back off a bit. I, well, I, that's, I, and that's 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 where I have my issue too. Where I say it was eight minutes and forty six seconds. It's, it's and he a was, lot. He man. was unresponsive for over three or four minutes. Yeah, yeah so, it, it's the, now. The question is, I, I won't say murder because the laws are different, but definitely manslaughter in the sense that, it, dude, you're just the guy's not even responding, and you're still putting your knee to it. Uh, Come on. Well, so now, and if you're watching the trial, there has been some doubt cast on where the knee was because where the knee was for how long. And so one of the witnesses, which you won't see this in the mainstream media, says, yeah, you know, I, I saw it knee on the neck for the full eight minutes or whatever. I'm, I'm yeah, yeah. maybe oversimplifying. And then the, the lawyer, the defense lawyer says, well, are you aware of uh, lens distortion or something? And he shows two angles, one from the body cam, which shows that the knee was not on the neck, might have been on the shoulder blade. Oh. So, but, but it's, it's the, the main issue is that you have the media immediately running oversimplified narratives. Uh, and, and, and at times, hands up, don't shoot, overt uh fabrications which turn out to be false but the the, the corrections never get the same uh spotlight that the misinformation did in the first place i've noticed that and so with chauvin i i, I get in trouble for saying i think he's guilty of something but i think they overcharged him and i think he's going to get acquitted what did they charge him for they charged him with okay second degree felony murder which was one charge the third the second one was um it was either second degree depraved mind manslaughter and manslaughter. So, and third degree manslaughter. So I think I may have misphrased those. As far as I understand it, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, it's very dangerous to attribute things like that initially if you're trying to trial somebody with something excessive that could be proved because then he'll get a, he won't get anything. He, then he gets acquitted and then you have riots because yeah. everyone has been told for the last six months this was cold-blooded murder. Um, uh, oh, geez, it's, uh, am I? I forget the name of the, I forget the name of this. It's Minneapolis. Uh, Missouri, maybe I forget now. I totally forgot the name of the state, but they have a very uh, specific felony murder law, which is which seems to be almost a little crazy. In that, if you commit any felony that leads to a death, you can get charged with felony murder. So they've charged him with felony murder, which might actually be very easy to prove because if you think he's guilty of an underlying assault, which so you know, which I think is would be easier to prove if he's guilty of assault that led to the person's death, he's guilty of felony murder, which has a maximum 40 years in prison. So, And the assault would be holding him down for the that assault, long? The assault would be the, yeah, the knee to the neck, which is, if it's felony assault leads to death, felony murder. Now, there's an argument in law, and I think uh, it's one of the only states that, uh, that basically the underlying felony can itself be the act that led to the death. Typically, felony murder is you're robbing a bank and somebody gets shot. So you're committing a separate felony. In this case, the underlying felony would be the act itself, which led to the death, which might make it easy to convict uh, under the state law. And it's a very unique question of law. But you know, when when you start finding out facts that uh, at first no one even knew anything about his history, which in general I'm I'm of a mind that the person's individual criminal history, if it exists, is irrelevant. Irre that's irrelevant. how I feel too. I found out later too. Okay, he wasn't the best guy, but 
it doesn't just like let's say you commit a crime. I don't know. You rob a bank, whatever. It does not mean that now when I find you, I should kill you. you know, it, it doesn't. It doesn't make you not a victim on a day yeah, because exactly. you have been a victimizer in the past. Uh, so I, I take issue with that as well. The where it becomes relevant, where it becomes socially relevant, is when you're building murals to somebody who may have had uh, not just an unsavory past, but you know, objectively bad past. Pistol whipping but, pregnant women? Is that what we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, apparently he didn't pistol, pistol whip, and apparently she might not have been pregnant. I don't know. There's, there's arguments on that, but yeah, criminal history. But so, then again, also, people didn't, we have to remember, people didn't know. So as far as, as I'm concerned, at the time, you know, people's reaction, like, oh my God, you know, another guy innocently killed, and like, he's a victim. So when they were doing it, they weren't doing it because they're like, eh, well, he had a shady past. A lot of people didn't know. Like, I, in the beginning, I had no idea. Of course, nobody had any idea because yeah. the media is not doing its job. That's true. Because they're not, they're, they're not, they're not doing their job. Um, but, but then the flip side is, he was still a victim of excessive police force, Correct. arguably that day. So if you want to make a mural for that, you're celebrating one aspect and not all, all aspects of a person's life. I'm with that. So yeah. that, that's a separate issue. But when it comes to material evidence that he had been hospitalized in the past for ingesting drugs and having an overdose, his girlfriend had to take him to the hospital once and apparently it happened once or twice. When that is material information that is withheld, that can cause a reasonable doubt as to the cause of death on the day of if he did the exact same thing that had landed him in the hospital previously. And it's when the media does not share this information that you create uh, an undue social expectation of what should happen legally based on incomplete evidence. They and performed an autopsy, right? They performed an autopsy and there's two, there are diverging because they did the experts, uh, prosecution and defense did an autopsy and they found- uh, uh, Two different causes of death? One found a position, I think one found positional asphyxiation, evidence of, the other one said no, but I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not familiar enough with the yeah. autopsies, but one thing that is accepted fact is that he had two, three, or maybe four times a potential lethal level of fentanyl in his blood at the time. Which oh, would have been, shit. Now, except the argument is that uh, this would only be fatal for a first-time user, a conditioned user, you know, would be used to that levels and wouldn't have a problem. Uh, others' response to that is, Say, when you do it, it's Russian roulette every time. Past is not prologue to the future, and any time could be your last, as we now see with uh, another famous person who's in the hospital. But no, but it's, 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 this is just one example. You remember Jacob Blake? We won't go on for too long, but Jacob Blake, another guy shot by the cops, paralyzed legs down. Andrew Yang is in the hospital with him. Why did this happen to me? And the media covers up the fact, or does not disclose, that he had a knife in his hand. And, oh. and he gave an interview in which he said, I had a knife in my hand, and I went back to the car to put it away if you believe that. But the media doesn't, doesn't say these things. And so- it's, Wait, Jacob Blake, was he the one that- uh, he, he, was going, he, was, he went to his girlfriend's house. Uh, she called the cops apparently because he had assaulted her in the past. Uh, he went back to his car and then the cop shot him in the back when he was get, seven times in his back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gets yeah. paralyzed. So all terrible situations. But there was video where they say, oh, we don't know what's in his hands. You have fact checkers saying, we don't know what's in his hands. It could be a knife. It could be sunglasses. Literally. Uh, Snopes. Is that what they said? That's Sno what Snopes said. Snopes is useless. Uh, beyond useless. They're, they're, they're overt propaganda as well. Um, but no, nobody discloses these facts that, you know, he had a knife in his hand, went to his girlfriend's house. I think he had a restraining order. There were kids there. He's getting into a car. Oh, the, the kids were in the car. He's getting into a car with a knife. They don't mention it. And then when he gives the interview where he says this buried, and again, it just, it creates these expectations. It creates these impressions, which are just inaccurate and incorrect. And, it, and the mainstream media doesn't, uh, dive into it. And so you end up having people like me to a lesser degree because I go by lawsuits. Uh, Brianna Taylor was another one that I that I went over as well. A, a lot of misinformation in that. It's just like you bring this information up and 
people are almost unwilling to hear it because they don't. It takes too much effort to be. But Brian Taylor was it was finally was it the wrong apartment? I understand. Was not the wrong apartment. Was not had, the wrong. They apartment. had a warrant for the apartment. Okay. Uh, she was you know. And it doesn't justify anything that happened. Cops, yeah, I'm with cops, you. On, yeah, cops shooting blindly into a house is it's crazy. Is reckless. Yeah. Um. But whether or not she was participating in 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 drug dealing, whether or not she was asleep, whether or not she was the one who shot, whether or not they were the ones that shot first, you have a whole you know bunch of misinformation circulating that's repeated and repeated by mainstream media, and then when people hear you know other stuff, they just can't digest it. And so that is, from my perspective, the hardest thing to 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 deal with is um, people don't want to know. When they've already come to their beliefs, they don't want them challenged, and uh, they will never accept the fact that they they took for fact what was actually just factually incorrect. I started looking a lot at the um, collateral damage uh, of, for example, uh, George Floyd. What I think about sometimes is because uh, he has a daughter. So then I think what sucks about all this is that it was you know a bad day. Let's say you know Chauvin, the, the eight minute thing, and he got killed. But regardless, what's going to come up is if someone is just against the narrative of, no, you know, a cop was doing his job or whatever, you know, this is just what happens. This girl is going to grow up and she's going to be seen out of the internet or someone's going to be like, well, he did this and this and this in his past. Stuff that, to me, doesn't matter when we're talking about the actual event that took place. Yeah, you know, we, it, there is, there's, the that's what I think of things like that, like the family members going up and I'm like, that's 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 no, shitty. It's, 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 everything about it is shitty. Yeah. Um, everything about the situation is terrible. It, it's just the question is in the daughter. It, it's tragic uh, for the family. Regardless, he, he was he was he had a criminal history. He was a drug addict. Um, he in, you know by all accounts ingested drugs that his drug still dealer. doesn't. Yeah. It's now the only issue is you have to go beyond all that. View it from the legal perspective. Cause of death, uh, contributing factors, and what is an appropriate conviction. Yeah. But. When you set up the when you when the media sets it up as, you know, a total racial question where unless there's a full conviction, uh, it, it confirms racism. And yeah, then you it, make it difficult on everyone involved. Make it difficult on everyone involved, and you create expectations that one way or the other are going to are going to leave people angry and feeling disenfranchised. Um, and it's but it's it's an amazing, the the dogma on both sides. If you say yeah, I think he's guilty of something. Uh, people are like, oh, you have no idea what it's like being a cop. How dare you? You say, I think the cop was just doing his job. You say, you've got to be racist. It's, yeah. You've seen the video. Chelsea Handler on Twitter saying, why do we need a trial? We have a video of him committing murder. It's like, okay, well, th that's, I don't, that is not how any legal system yeah, works. Yeah, we still need a trial. Yeah, and, and you need to prove it. You need to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. That's that, and, and people also don't like the fact that having a well-functioning legal system means not convicting the innocent, which means that, you know, sometimes guilty person is going to go free and that's more important than convicting an innocent person just to satisfy the mob. And uh, that's what's at risk with this particular case. But the, the hardest thing is, just, I, I've discovered, news is, is more often than not, when it comes to politicized issues, untrustworthy, to put it mildly. And I, it's, it's not a red pill. It's just now I, I see it. I can't unsee it. And it's difficult to make people appreciate this. People still rely on the New York Times for objective <laughs> news. And I think they have to have their heads examined to do that. But they don't know better. I've noticed this. They don't know better. They'll all get sent articles sometimes that contradict from the same paper, a previous article. Like, what do you, they literally said that. <laughs> New York Times, the, the Capitol riots. New York Times literally said that the police officer died from blunt force trauma from a fire extinguisher. That's what I heard. Yep. And then, and then two months later. So what do they call it? Stealth corrections. Oh, cause of death is in question now. And by all accounts, the cause of death was a stroke. And the only question is, was it caused by pepper spray, which is some of the hypotheses. But 
they 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 published an article that people relied on to to justify uh, many political issues, many social issues, to de you know to justify certain laws that they want to put into effect, and then stealth edits. Yeah, it was it was not accurate. We were oh we were just reporting somebody else, and people still rely on the New York Times for news. It's it's you're relying on it uh, for self serving confirmation of what you already believe. Well, the Capitol riots were so ridiculous because I remember when I first saw it, I thought there was some insurgents. They're taking over the government. I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. And then I see it's a bunch of LARPers dressed up as a half moose walking around taking selfies. I was like, what is this? Did you, if the second media started all <laughs> parroting insurrection, you know that someone consulted a think tank and they said, this is how we're going to do it. This is the and, word, yeah. If you've seen the movie Vice, but it's, it's, from, it's from Vice, but it's just, it's a known thing. You know, call something a death tax. People are going to uh, object to it more than an estate tax. So there are ways to frame things to get the public uh, to rally behind or, you know, one way or the other. To call it an insurrection <laughs> is to, uh, it, people don't know what the what insurrection means. And, and to call something uh, treason, they don't know what treason means. Yeah. But it sounds so good. And insurrection now allows you to enforce, create a lot of laws to declare a lot of people insurrectionists, to remove a lot of civil rights and liberties because a bunch of people went crazy <laughs> yeah. and stormed Capitol Hill. I'll call it a riot. Call it a violent, violent riot. Yeah, call there, it were a there were definitely people there. I don't, you know, I'm not necessarily thinking they wanted to kidnap and kill politicians, but they definitely wanted to make their voices heard in a unlawful manner. Um, and it, it led, you know, it seems the only person who actually got killed from the direct result was Ashley Babbitt, who got shot by the cop as she was going through the window. Yeah. Again, acting, doing foolish things. It's like, I think of the scene from Fight Club when they bring in the uh, uh, John Paulson, or I think his name was John Paulson, and and then Tyler Durden's like, you run around blowing things up at night. What do you think's going to happen? You storm Capitol Hill and you yeah. try to bust through walls where you know there's politicians. What do you think's going to happen? Um, it was definitely a violent protest, but the insurrection is a political talking point so that the media can indoctrinate the general public to get them to not only accept, but welcome in more civil right restricting laws. And that's that's the what happens when the government and the media work hand in hand. God damn. Viva. Viva Fry. Uh, links are in the description. And if you look at the cards, you can click right there. There's this channel. Just go directly to the channel. Subscribe over there. If you want someone who actually knows what he's talking about and not this imbecile, you go to Viva Fry. <laughs> Thank you for coming on, dude. My pleasure. It was My a lot pleasure. of fun. Thank you. And sometimes I'll look at Sometimes I don't know what I'm talking about. And then I defer to those who I think do know what they're talking about. Which is better than what I do. <laughs> so thank you guys for listening and go fuck yourselves. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.